Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. As we continue our look in the book of James, James in chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. Okay, well maybe... uh, (laughs) If you're there down south, say amen. As we've seen in the book of James, and we've seen a progression of thought building upon the last thing said, James in chapter 2 revealed something about the issue of faith. That it's important that we understand that if a man says he has faith, but he doesn't have works, the question was, can that faith save him? And so we saw it was important that although we are saved by faith alone, the faith that saved us is not alone. There's going to be corresponding action. There's going to be works included. And so James now in chapter 3 shows us one expression of those works that are applied to the exercise of faith. And that has to deal with the issue of our communication as Christians. And so James starts here in chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So James begins this look and expresses a concern as he deals with the issue of our communication as Christians, a concern about those who would become teachers or biblical communicators. And it's interesting because as James deals with this, James has this concern because of the influence that teachers have. And if you look back for a moment and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And here the Apostle Paul is speaking to his son Timothy and the Lord, really preparing, equipping him to have influence in the ministry that God's entrusted to his care. And he says in chapter 5 and verse 17, he said, The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So here he's talking about those elders and how it's important that those who rule well, those who exercise good leadership, and those who excel in the areas of preaching and teaching, who work hard at it. Now it seems to suggest here that there are those who don't work hard at it, but those who work hard at it, and indeed are committed to upholding the truths of the Bible that convey the mind of God and do it with clarity and accuracy and have good leadership. He says they're worthy of double honor. Well, this is interesting because he goes on to say this in verse 22. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily. 
and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. But keep yourself free from sin. That's an interesting verse, and I've heard that interpreted in ways that don't do justice to the context. We're whole, put a pin in that for a moment. In chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, in verse 1, he says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the Lord, or strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the teaching aspect of ministry was so important in the early church as you begin to lay foundation and help people understand in practical ways how to begin to live this life. So Paul is saying to Timothy, begin to find those who are faithful. In other words, in other words find those men who possess character. That because character becomes the foundation that a teaching gift can rest upon. And that if you have character, you have the ability then to have a right motivation in how you deal with the exercise of this gift. And then, so he says that, and I want to go back to what we said earlier. He says, when it comes to the issue, not to lay hands on anyone hastily. I've heard people say, don't lay hands on people too fast. Because if you lay hands on people, you know, hastily, they use this verse, that you may have some kind of demonic influence come over your life that's resident upon them. Well, that is not what Paul is dealing with here in this context. It has nothing to do with you laying hands on somebody and some demon jumping on you. <laughs> the context is saying, don't lay your hands on somebody who is not prepared or should not be wearing the mantle of ministry. Because if you lay your hands upon them to set them up for ministry, you are sanctioning something that indeed is counterproductive to the development and the influence of the kingdom of God. You're going to be hurting people to put the wrong people in the position. And thus you will share in their sin. So now going back to that earlier verse where it says that, it's, that elders who rule well and, and who teach and preach and and who give themselves to that and work hard at it are deserving of double honor. Double honor here, as interpreted by verse 18, speaks of financial compensation. Now, what's interesting about this, you can imagine now in the early church, and there were people who are, who are struggling, who are working hard, who, who's trying to make it, and then you have in the early church the development of of this body, this, this community of faith. And, and in this, you got apostolic ministry, pastoral ministry, evangelistic ministry. You got teaching gifts, all these things happening. And then you get this statement from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his son, and conveying it to others. He's saying, now, those who rule well, those elders who lead well, and those who work hard in preaching and teaching are deserving of double honor, double compensation. Now, you can understand James' concern there would be people who would come and say, oh, being a preacher, being a teacher, being a person in ministry can indeed open up a door of great compensation in my life. And so you would have people who would then be pursuing it with the wrong motivation. And so James says, wait a minute, uh, let not many of you become teachers because such shall incur a stricter judgment. Let not many of you run to this area. Well, one reason you don't want to run, it's a bad occupational choice if you're not called. 
Okay, that's the first thing. Secondly, it will take some time to get to the double compensation. Thirdly, you open up a door of judgment in your life. For you shall face stricter judgment. Matter of fact, it's the Eugene Peterson's message says, teachers are held to the strictest standards. Why are you held to the strictest standards? Why, why do you open yourself, you're more vulnerable to judgment as a teacher, as a communicator, a biblical uh, communicator? Why? Because you are teaching things, you're teaching the mind of God, and you better do it with accuracy. Because you're impacting and influencing the lives of others. You're influencing the lives of people whom God loves. And so if you get up and you are not prepared, if you're not giving yourself, if you're not disciplined, if you're not working at it, then understand you can potentially mess up the people of God and instill in them heresy and, and set the stage for apostasy and all these things. That's why Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approval, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to get into the word so you can be able to use it to correct, to enlarge, to, to advance, to exalt. So he's saying, understand, James is saying this, he's saying now, don't rush to this area of teaching. I mean, you may be attracted, you may be wanting to be a part of, of that, you may be uh, seduced to think that prestige of the, of the position is going to grant you all this, but wait a minute, hold it. Understand, if you are not called, if you don't have the temperament, if you don't have the endowment, stay away from it, because all you're going to do is walk into a greater level of judgment. For whom much is given, much is required. So here, let not many of you become teachers. Ask somebody, do you want to be a teacher? Now, this doesn't mean you can't be teachers. <laughs> it just means you have to have the right motivation. Boy, it got really quiet up here. In verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Ask somebody, are you perfect? I mean, just based on your communication, are you perfect? Here, James, <laughs> James is not giving some kind of superficial uh, excuse for sin when he says we all stumble. But he's really speaking to the issue of the universal impact of sin. That sin touches everything. That sin impacts everything. And all of us have been impacted by the presence of sin. As a matter of fact, turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, and we're going to start at verse 10. Romans 3, verse 10. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is as an open grave, and their tongue they keep deceiving, and the poison of apse is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. 
Here he's showing the impact of sin and the sin of one man passing down upon all, all creation and all generations are impacted by that sin. The sin of one imputed to every generation and all humanity. And so we see the impact of that sin has even affects our communication. And now here he's saying we all sin. We all stumble. We all have issues because of the presence of sin. Now, he's saying that just as Paul was saying that, we all sin and fall short. That's where we are. That's, where, that's the starting point for all humanity. It doesn't mean things can't change, praise the Lord. Amen. Of course they can, but that's the foundation. That's the starting point. All have sinned and all fall short. There's none who seek for God. That was the condition of man. Matter of fact, until, if God didn't seek for us, we would never seek God. God pursued us would put us in a position to pursue him. It is because, it's because he loved us, we are now able to respond to that love. So James here deals with this issue and he begins to liken the tongue to three things. He likens it to a bit and a horse's mouth. He likens it to a rudder for a boat. And he likens it to a small spark or a fire. Let's look at this. Verse 3. Now, if we put the bit in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we, we direct the entire body as well. And so James is saying, just think about it. A small bit can direct an entire horse. A small bit can cause a horse that weighs between 900 and 1,200 pounds to go wherever it's directed by the bit in his mouth. He said, so it is, your body is directed by your words. Your life is a directed by your words. Words are powerful. Remember growing up, sticks and stones? Breaking bones, but your words are never, right? Uh, how many know words do hurt? Some of us are still in recovery from words that have been spoken, maybe even in childhood. And based on the significance of the person who said them, that's how deep they are. Maybe if it was a word that came from a parent, that word could still be in you at 40 and 50, 60 years old. And so words are powerful. Words are impacting. Words can destroy. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Matter of fact, we see that Proverbs says this. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, reckless words pierce like a sword but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. That means if you choose to be wise, there's healing in your mouth. Amen. Amen. So we see that the, the horse is directed by and influenced by the bit. Then he begins to move from the horse to something even larger, a ship. He says in verse 4, look at the ships, look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclinations of the pilot desires. So we see a, we've gone from a horse that's good size, now we've gone up to a ship from smaller to larger, and yet. It's a bit that directs the horse. It's a rudder that directs the ship. And amidst the winds that blow, and amidst all the, the pull and the push of the currents of the sea, yet 
It's the rudder that directs the boat. But it's an interesting phrase in this statement. And it says that the rudder is subject to the direction of the pilot. The pilot of the rudder directs it. The pilot of your tongue is your mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so comes out of his mouth. So it's your thoughts, your, the way you think has everything to do with the rudder called your tongue. Did, did you know your tongue is a rudder? <laughs> directing your body, directing your life. And so as you think, and so it's interesting, as the Bible says, a man of many words comes to ruin. That's why we got to be careful. Now, you know, it's, you ever discovered sometimes in moments of talking and talking and talking and talking, and you said, I didn't know all that was inside of me? You ever had that moment? Sometimes you discover that's not a good thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's some stuff in me. And what happens, I think sometimes, in the process of communication, there's stuff that is conveyed. And then sometimes in communication, there's stuff that's embraced. Because when you speak something out, you take ownership of it. You, you begin to own it. So, so we got to be careful then. And that's why the Bible warns us. What, is, what does James say earlier? He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Right? Great memory verse. And so James is saying, now be careful. And I've had people over these years that I've talked to who have gotten trouble with their words and, and said things they shouldn't have said, and it created chaos and, and to the point where when they were corrected, they just got in frustration. They said, maybe I shouldn't say anything anymore. And my response is dealing with their maturity is that, no, you got to talk. That's how you grow. But then after a while, I begin to think, no, maybe you shouldn't say anything at all. <laughs> because they keep getting in trouble. Sometimes you just got to be still <laughs> and quiet and let yourself come to a place where the pilot is secure enough in himself that he's dependent upon God, that he doesn't use words to hurt, to destroy, to kill, or even establish yourself. And so there are times maybe a person does need to be quiet for an extended season just to slow it down so, so you can say, wait a minute, uh, so I can hear what I'm saying in my own head before I speak it out. Amen. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And you kind of hear the progression, right? And so the third thing he says, verse 5, so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how a great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And look at this, and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Wow. Set on fire by hell. So he's saying, okay, let's look to progression. You got a bit that directs the horse. You, you've got a rudder that directs the boat. And now you have a small fire that can destroy an entire wilderness. 
is starting small but creating such havoc and destruction. So is the capability of the tongue, the very world of iniquity. Nations have been upset and taken down by words. People's lives have been messed up by words. Generational strongholds have been established by words. And the very world of iniquity. James goes on and talks about the the impact of the tongue and just the the impulse of the tongue. Look what he says. He says in verse 7, For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Wow. So he's saying we've been able to tame and train dogs and cats and horses and killer whales and (laughs) all these animals, lions and bears, and cannot tame the tongue. He said it's a restless evil. In other words, the tongue is looking for an opportunity to express itself. Maybe one of our hardest challenges is the ability to be silent. I mean, there is such a pull to say, when we see something, we want to say something. When, when things happen, we want to speak to it. We want to respond. There, there we've got to have commentary. I don't know about you. I mean, any of you guys go to the movies? Well, I'm praying for you. <laughs> now, one of the worst things to do is go to the movie with somebody who has to talk through the whole movie. It's just terrible, terrible, terrible. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I won't tell you how I know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's so important because see there are times we don't need to have a commentary on everything we don't have to say something about everything sometimes we just need to close our mouths stay in the moment and maybe God will speak to us if we get quiet maybe we're making so much noise we can't hear his voice and it takes security. You've got to be secure enough to be quiet. It takes a lot of security to just be quiet, not, not have to put something on top of everything and respond to everything. Sometimes you've got to just pull back. Maybe in the face. Remember, Peter says, not returning insult for insult. No, just, just be quiet. Jesus, when he was being uh, afflicted, when he was going through his suffering, said, did not open his mouth. That takes maturity. It takes something to be quiet when you want to say something. I mean, that may be one of the hardest challenges, that when you want to say something and you feel like you have the right to say something, and you know in that moment God is saying, don't say anything. You ever find yourself in a moment where you shouldn't have said something, and you said something, and you saw what it did, it elevated the issue, it created more of a problem? I mean, a lot of fights happen because of communication. Many of them in marriage. 
And of course, people are afraid to really say amen. <laughs> They're like, yeah, amen, amen. <laughs> Communication issues. And sometimes it's just not the fact that we can't be secure enough not to have, give, not to, have to give some kind of commentary on something. The tongue is looking. It says that it is a restless evil. And what's that next phrase? It's what? Full of venom. It's like a snake ready to strike. It was so funny that today I was walking around before we gathered and I was walking around the parking lot, just the perimeter, uh, just checking things out, looking, you know, just looking stuff I would probably never look at, looking back in the woods and stuff like that and walking around and went around just kind of looking, oh, it'd be a nice place maybe to put like a swing set or something. This shit, it'd be nice. And I'm walking around and as I get around to the grass, something says, and I noticed it was, it was a snake about that long. And it was moving so fast. And I went, wow, maybe that's not a good place. <laughs> to <do. laughs> Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and I thought about just, you know, reading that verse, that snakes, the idea that a snake is setting the stage to inject you with its poison. And so the tongue is there ready to inject you with the poison, ready to hurt you. And I think many of us find ourselves at times maybe positioned to hurt people, maybe because we feel like we have the right to, or we're hurting ourselves. Why? Hurt people do what? Hurt people. And so we got to be careful. Maturity is seen in how you handle your tongue. That's why James says, if you can handle your tongue and keep it in order, you are a perfect man. Wow. Ask somebody again, are you perfect? It's hard to even ask the question. I can see. James says this, verse 9, but with it, talking about the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Now imagine, can you imagine? It's hard to imagine this. That people could be gathered in worship and praise, blessing the name of the Lord. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Worshiping, oh, there's none like you. I want to bless you. Your name is great. Let me be a sweet aroma to you. God, I want to bless you. And then leave the service right at the end of the service, get in the car, and begin to curse their brother. Can you believe that? James... Come on, James, get into reality. That cannot be real. <laughs> now, James is dealing with this in his day, and it's still something that affects the church. To go from praise and worship right into cursing, right into attacking somebody, right into coming against someone. And you know what? The, he says that the tongue is that fire set on fire by hell itself. Well, isn't it interesting that the word for slander in the Greek is the very same word for devil, diabolos. And that when you slander, when you accuse and attack and assault somebody else verbally, you're walking in the spirit of Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. Wow. See, our words tell us something about who we are, 
where we believe our allegiance is and our connection. And so here James goes on and says this. Does a fountain send out, verse 11, from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So he's dealing with those things that cannot, that's not, you can't reconcile that. They're, they're irreconcilable differences. They're opposites. And yet we believe we can be in a place where we can bless God in one moment and curse men the next moment. That we can lift our voices in praise and turn around and create verbal assaults on people. And he's saying we're representing two different kind of kingdoms the kingdom of God, and the domain of darkness. Because if you're blessing God, you're saying, okay, you're in charge, we love you, we adore you, and I, we're walking in your spirit, we're under your authority. And then turn around and curse somebody? Well, that's, here again, that's the spirit of Diabolos. It's the spirit of Satan. And so he says that cannot, you can't reconcile that. You can't be at that place. You can't, you can't join those two together. He says, and it ought not to be this way. Never consider this to be normal. Never consider it to be acceptable. Be like Job made a covenant with his eyes. Make a covenant with your mouth that I'm going to present my mouth as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 33. Jesus speaking here. How do we know that? It's in red. <laughs> there are other ways to know that, but. Verse 33. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, here again, snakes in the grass, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Look at that. The good man brings out, brings out his good treasure, what is good. The evil man brings out of his evil treasure, what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So Jesus is making it clear that your words reveal your heart. Your words reveal your heart. See, if you're, if you're saying something, if you're communicating something, it reveals where you are. And so you can't be cursing people and accusing people and and attacking people verbally, then turn around and say, well, you know, God knows my heart. He does. He knows it. <laughs> he knows it's not right. That's what he knows. Just like all of us would know who can hear you, if you are attacking, if you are going against, if you are slandering, if, if you are delighting in malicious gossip that with evil intent to put somebody down, that understands something. God, can, God knows that. He, he reads. He, he, can, he grasps what's happening. And your words are sending a message that your heart is not right. And see, it takes a person who is secure in God is able now to be secure enough to bless people.
to encourage people, as we're called, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called a day. That's what the deceitfulness of sin. We protect one another with our words. We have the ability to insulate and secure one another with our words. And so what would be the scheme of the, of the enemy? What would, what would his trap be? What would he try to do to get us to use our words to pull each other down? To get us to use our words to cut into each other, to, to prevent each other from growing and developing. He would try to take us to use words to try to destroy one another. That would be the scheme of the devil. So we've got to recognize we are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of what the devil is doing. We understand we have an important role, and so we have to use our words to encourage, to build up, to bless one another. And I want to say, words are so important, and, and there are certain words, now you've got to realize this, there are certain things you can say to certain people that you can't say to other people. You've got to understand that in the communication process. There are things that you can say to certain people that you can't say to other people. Why is that? Is it because they are sensitive? That could be a part of it. But the, the really, the other thing is because you have relational credit. You establish relational credit with those people. So there are things you can say to certain people because the relationship is strong enough that even if you say it, they believe the best of you. But some people don't have, you don't have that credit with. And you say certain things, they're immediately going to think the worst because you haven't established the kind of relational stability that they can entrust your ability to say those kind of things to them. And so we got to understand that our words are so important, but we got to understand that relationships are so key. So you cannot change your words until you change your mind. The way you think, how you process, because as a man thinketh, right? We said this, so is he. So what the Bible calls us to do. The Bible calls us to now be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've got to begin now to change the way we think. We've got to begin to change the way we look at people, how we value those, especially within the household of God. God's looking at that. And he says, now, remember it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we talk about celebrating the Lord's Supper and all the things that that represents. He says, because some of us wrongly judge the body, for this reason, some are weak and some are sick and some even fall asleep, which means they die prematurely. God takes seriously how we respond to one another. Amen. I don't want my words to open a door of sickness in my life. I don't want my words to deplete my energy. And as much as I want to see Jesus, I want to fulfill <laughs> what he has for me in his life and be here as long as he wants me to be here and not go prematurely because my words sent me home. Amen? Amen? And so we need to make sure that come to a place we want our words, like let, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, as the psalmist says, right? Be pleasing. Be pleasing unto you. Maybe we can have that encounter in the spirit like Isaiah had when he was correcting the nation and dealing with their sin, but when he saw the greatness of God. See, it's something, it's easy to attack the flaws and, and failures and weaknesses in people until you begin to see yourself against God. I mean, you can measure yourself against people, especially you found people going through something, going through this issue, going through this sin, this stronghold, and it doesn't seem to be something a part of your life. You can begin to elevate yourself based on their failures. But how do you look standing against God? 
And that's where Isaiah found himself. He said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And it said the angel came with a hot coal and placed it upon his mouth. Wow. That's the work of the Spirit. He said, cleansing, burning out that which needs to go. And maybe we need to have and give the Holy Spirit the liberty to burn out of us faulty thinking and faulty perspectives and, and insecurities that set the stage for us to attack one another and allow the Spirit to burn afresh His love in our hearts so we can begin to speak words that speak life and well-being and encouragement. Because I want to tell you, regardless of where you are, regardless of how long you've been in the kingdom, all of us need to be encouraged. All of us need to be encouraged. Every person in here needs encouragement. And so we need one another to speak those kind of words that can encourage us, elevate us, and help us, and keep us on track. Ask somebody now, I'm going to ask you again, are you perfect? Okay, so there's some work to be done with your tongue. Come on, stand with me. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.